Modern. 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 We're prepping for a voyage. Modern. The force of an old-fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration. Why don't you make that a double? Modern Bar Cart. What's shaking, cocktail fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Bar Cart Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Eric Koslick. Thanks for joining me today for another one of our Bar Cart Foundations episodes, where we take a deep dive into one of the most important topics confronting the modern home bartender. This time up, we have sort of a cocktail citizenship topic. In this brief episode, I'm going to take you through the habits and traits of cocktail snobs and cocktail slobs so that you can avoid being either one at your next cocktail party or trip to the bar. We're going to have a featured cocktail later on in the episode by means of an example, but right now I'm going to jump in by explaining why we're pausing on this topic instead of any number of other cocktail-related subjects we could be discussing at this very moment. A few years ago, when I first dipped my toes into the wine and spirits world, I took a class here in DC, and the instructor said something on the first day of that class that has stuck with me ever since. He said, and keep in mind this was primarily a wine course, we're not here to make you wine snobs, we're here to make you wine Jedi. That's pretty good, right? Since then, I've been in a number of situations where I came out feeling like either a cocktail snob or worse, a cocktail slob. So it's been one of those topics that's been percolating in the back of my mind ever since I started working with cocktails day in and day out. I've gotten to watch a lot of people learn about cocktails for the first time, and I've also gotten to see people make others feel bad for their drink preferences or knowledge gaps. Here at Modern Bar Cart, we're really focused on building an inclusive community where people of all different types can feel comfortable experimenting with flavor, regardless of how much they know or what they like. So this episode is kind of our way of explaining how to behave in a community like that. Basically, we're trying to build the world we want to live in, a place where nobody is a cocktail slob or a cocktail snob. The first thing we have to do is identify what a cocktail slob and a cocktail snob look like. How do they operate? What's their native environment? How do you catch a cocktail snob? Do you put a Negroni under a box trap and then hide around the corner and lie in wait? How does one attract a cocktail slob? Is it as easy as spritzing some Bud Light on your American flag neck tattoo and turning on NASCAR radio? These are clearly jokes based on stereotypes we have about people who act a certain way based on their values. And things get problematic when your values, your personal ones, don't line up too well with the values of the person sitting next to you at the bar. That's a friction point. That's when we start taking sides. And we love to do that here in the U.S., don't we? We love when we've got a team we can root for, or better yet, a team we can root against. But think about cocktails for a second. Cocktails and the places where we tend to drink them are opportunities to enjoy one another's company, to make new friends, have pleasant conversations, and overall just kind of chill out and enjoy flavor. So the whole us versus them mentality isn't really useful when it comes to cocktails. 
I guess what I'm saying is that there's a cocktail snob and a cocktail slob in each and every one of us. It's like your id and your superego, except with cocktails. So instead of trying to figure out if someone is or is not a cocktail snob, I think the better course of action here is to identify how cocktail snobs and slobs tend to act. That way, not only can you see when other people do it, but you can start to identify these habits in yourself and work to kind of curb them. Let's start with the snobs. These are people who, first and foremost, use their knowledge and their understanding of cocktails, whether that's the history or the technique or the perceived value of certain ingredients, to make others feel bad about their personal preferences and knowledge gaps. That's the way I think about a cocktail snob. There's a few different strains of cocktail snobs, to be sure. There's the kind who sends drinks back if they're not made precisely to his set of unattainable expectations. Then there's the kind who teaches a seminar on every drink to everyone in the room, even if nobody's interested. And my all-time favorite, the kind who tries to compete with the bartender and show off her knowledge at happy hour on a Friday when people are lined up three deep at the bar. The real tragedy of cocktail snobs isn't that they're annoying to everyone around them or even that they take a generally fun situation and suck the life out of it. The real tragedy is that they take their enthusiasm for cocktails, which is a good thing, and forget to temper or moderate it before letting it loose on everyone in the room. Think about it this way. You invite some friends over. You make a batch of amazing chocolate chip cookies and place them in the oven just as your guests arrive. If you set the oven to 350, the result is a tantalizing smell that wafts into the room, excitement and mouth-watering as the cookies near completion, and joyful lip-smacking and praise from your friends when they're finally served. But what happens if instead of setting that oven to 350, you set it to 500? Smoke, the smell of burnt dreams, and now the fire alarm's going off and your friends are not entertained. My point is, in many situations where cocktail snobbery is concerned, the problem is the energy or intensity of the person who's spreading the snobbery. They've got their oven set too hot, and they're burning all our metaphorical cookies. So, if you suspect that you might tend toward cocktail snobbery and want to avoid setting off people's social smoke detectors, here's a few tips for moderating your presence and finding ways to add value to the people around you. Tip number one. Learn to identify when your opinion will and will not enhance a situation. The problem with being the most knowledgeable person in the room is that you're going to have the most opportunities to correct what you and other knowledgeable people understand to be errors, flaws, or misunderstandings when it comes to cocktails. This means that you have the power to either speak or remain silent, and that choice is going to radically impact how you're perceived in the situation. The best thing to do here is a little perspective taking. Before you explain to your host that a whiskey Negroni actually has a name and that it's really called a Boulevardier, try and imagine how you would react to that statement if you were the person who thought she invented this new spin on the Negroni and couldn't wait to serve it to her friends and share it with them. If you can take a minute to do this little exercise, the correct mode of action is usually pretty apparent in any given situation. This leads directly into tip number two for avoiding cocktail snobbery, which is use your knowledge to exercise hospitality and empower others. What does it mean to exercise hospitality? 
For me, I think of a situation where somebody, whether it's someone who's actually hosting me in their home or perhaps a bartender who's serving me at a bar, enhances my experience by using their power or expertise to make me feel good. The host took extra time to set out towels for me on the bed. Wow, how nice is that? The bartender noticed what I was drinking and turned me on to a new cocktail that I really love. Awesome. Those are two examples of using power to exercise hospitality and enhance somebody's experience. So before you offer an opinion or try to enforce a standard, ask yourself, am I exercising hospitality and will this empower the people around me to enjoy themselves or learn something that excites them? The answer isn't always going to be clear, but good hosts are always looking for ways to make their guests feel good. So just by asking yourself the question, you're already ahead of the game, even if you're not truly the host of a given situation. Hospitality, remember this, can come from anyone. Tip number three, be aware of the economic implications of your good taste. Congratulations, you've learned a lot about cocktails. You've had the time to study and taste test and read and listen to podcasts that all make you a better bartender. You've got three types of orange liqueur on the bar, a dozen different bourbons, and the correct glassware for every type of drink. If this sounds even a little bit like you, it's probably useful to keep in mind that you're a member of the cocktail elite and that most people don't have the same elaborate liquor collection, all the fancy tools, or the understanding of how to use them correctly. This is just the way of the world. It's lonely at the top. So, before you explain to your host that a martini made with vodka isn't really a martini, take a quick look around and ask yourself if maybe that bottle of vodka is the only bottle of spirits in the house. Cocktails are a symbol of the good life. If you've got the time and resources to pursue them, it means your other needs are covered. But people with all types of incomes and resources enjoy a good cocktail. The big difference is often what they can afford. And this is a really important time to be able to keep your snobbery in check because that's how you avoid looking like a rich asshole. Our final piece of advice regarding cocktail snobbery is this. Above all else, chill the heck out. Think about the coolest people in the movies or at the bars you visit. They're not the loud ones, the opinionated ones, the ones holding court in the middle of a group of people. They're the subtle people who take in the scene, make eye contact, speak in a reasonable tone. They're the ones who resist the temptation to drink too much, and yes, to correct other people's drink choices. So if putting on a bit of a James Bond persona before you enter the room helps to chill you out and prevents you from putting your foot in your mouth, then I say that's a great idea. If at any point so far you've felt picked on, or if any of those cocktail snob descriptions hit a bit too close to home, you're about to get a break because now it's time to turn our attention to the opposite end of the spectrum and take a look at cocktail slobs. The word slob is actually an ancient Celtic word for mud. And I think we can all figure out how this came to be. Slobs are the type of people who track mud into the house and don't notice or don't care. And just like they existed back in the days of the ancient Celts, they still exist today, even in the cocktail world. The key here is obviously the not noticing and the not caring. And these traits make somebody appear either ignorant, uncultured, oblivious, or a beautiful mix of all three. 
Here in the U.S., there's an added geographic and socioeconomic twist on the slob-snob conflict. And you can kind of sum it up as city mice versus country mice, red states versus blue states, hipsters versus hillbillies. From the very earliest days of our nation, there's always been a tension between cities and rural areas revolving around whose interests are being represented faithfully, who gets to set regulations, who's in power and who's fighting that power. Big business versus the independent farmer, for example, or the bureaucrat versus the rebel. These are all tropes that we understand. They're part of our culture. Fast forward to today and all the stereotypes and traits associated with the different groups of people I just described really haven't changed. In other words, we haven't used the past two and a half centuries to become better, more understanding neighbors. We've used them to become more set in our ways and to reinforce the stereotypes that were there from the very beginning. The reason why I'm bothering to say all of this is because I believe that one of the biggest reasons for cocktail slobbery is a popular strain of anti-intellectualism that we're all very familiar with in today's political and social climate. And my working definition of anti-intellectualism is basically when someone takes pride in being crude, deliberately ignorant, or closed-minded. Add alcohol and cocktails to this situation, and you've got pretty much the perfect picture of a cocktail slob. Chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you're not terribly at risk for this type of behavior. Look at you. You came here to learn about cocktails. You're already ahead of the game. But the following tips for how to avoid being a cocktail slob are just good to keep in mind, even if you don't think you're a cocktail slob. Tip number one for avoiding being a cocktail slob, start asking why. Let's say you're at a bar and you want to educate yourself more about what you're drinking and what's going on. Take a quick look at how your drink is made. Why did the bartender stir that drink and shake that drink? Why did she strain that one through a little sieve? Even if you don't ask these questions out loud, a curious mindset is the first step toward learning a thing or two about cocktails. And even if there's nobody around to answer your questions, chances are you'll be able to infer some things, especially by tasting your drink. Oh, wow, I didn't get why there was a lemon twist in that drink until I tasted it. It really transforms the whole cocktail. Maybe I'll pick up some lemons next time I'm at the grocery store and try it out at home. This kind of segues nicely into tip number two, train your senses. A lot of us walk around every day using our eyes and ears to make things happen and our mouths. That kind of goes without saying. This makes sense and it's kind of how we move from place to place, how we communicate. Unfortunately, the world of smell, taste, and flavor takes a backseat to our eyes, our ears, and our words, basically. So when it comes time to exercise these senses in a cocktail setting, they're oftentimes woefully underdeveloped. The best way to beef up your sensory perception is to go out of your way to taste and smell new things. And going back to tip number one, this requires curiosity. One exercise you can do, especially if you're really timid about trying new things, is to take that one drink you know and love. Maybe it's a rum and coke. Maybe it's a mojito with store-bought mojito mix. And just start by adding a little extra flair when you make it. Tonight, maybe add a squeeze of fresh lime. This weekend, add a sprig of mint. 
See what that does. These are the baby steps that will help you get excited about flavor and begin working those atrophied sensory muscles that have fallen into disuse. Tip number three, learn to identify when you're being marketed to. This is a big one. One thing about cocktail snobs that you can't deny is that they tend to know what they're talking about. They know the difference between an Eiley and a Speyside Scotch. They know which style of vermouth to use with which cocktails, and they know a good deal on a bottle when they see one because they've done the research. Basically, they use their knowledge base to cut through a lot of the marketing static that exists in the spirits world. And to a bunch of us, this can come off as pretentious, but there is a flip side to that coin. They get better deals and better quality than people who kind of give into that marketing. This is not to say that all major liquor brands make bad stuff or that great branding doesn't add something to the experience of a product. But if you're the kind of person that orders a Jack and Coke at the bar instead of a whiskey Coke, you've already been programmed by the media and by the marketing of these brands, and you should probably see what else is out there. Make a point to do that. The obvious pitfall here is that big brands that tend to make cheaper products also have the best bar placement and merchandising displays at the liquor store and in the bars because they use their marketing power to assert their dominance. And this means less variety and more marketing overall. So if you want to learn more about how you can start to identify better quality spirits and start learning how to do that research, check out episode 22 of this podcast decoding spirits labels that will give you enough baseline information so that you can cut through some of that marketing static and make more better informed decisions both at the liquor store and at the bar our last tip for how to avoid being a cocktail slob is find your zone of proximal drinking what the heck does that mean let me explain. There's a concept in educational psychology called the zone of proximal development, or ZPD for short. And this concept explains how people learn most effectively. If you already know how to do something, for example, you're not learning. And on the other hand, if you're presented with a task that's so far beyond your skill set that you can't even begin to accomplish it, you're not really learning anything there either. The sweet spot where learning tends to take place is just beyond your comfort zone, perhaps in the presence of a more skilled person who can kind of help you along the way and take kind of baby steps to expand yourself. This is the zone of proximal development, and it can be applied to all types of learning, even about cocktails. The two key points here are to push yourself and to find somebody who can be a guide to you. If that's a friend or a bartender, that's great. But if no one is available, maybe there's a podcast out there that can help you along your journey. Wouldn't that be convenient? We'll wrap things up today with a featured cocktail that is a perfect synthesis of so many of the things we've been talking about. The Cuba Libre. A true Cuba Libre is basically a rum and coke made with non-American cola. In other words, cola made with sugarcane instead of corn syrup. Most popularly, this is Mexican Coke, but there are other colas out there depending on where you are that also use sugarcane rather than corn syrup. It's not just a Coke thing. To make a Cuba Libre, you need very simply two ounces of white rum, four to six ounces of cola, and a lime wedge. 
and all you got to do is build this drink in a Collins glass over ice, squeeze the lime, and you're off to the races. For cocktail snobs, I think the Cuba Libre is a really great reality check. Yeah, you're not too good for a rum and coke, and you know what? This is actually damn tasty. And for cocktail slobs, this is both familiar and a bit challenging. It's a rum and coke, but it doesn't taste like what I usually drink. Why is that, and how can I make my rum and cokes taste more like this? When I personally make a Cuba Libre, I enjoy swapping out the lime for a lemon, using dark rum instead of white rum, and even throwing in a couple dashes of our embitterment aromatic bitters. But hey, you do you. The last thing I want to be accused of here is being a cocktail snob. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope this episode was a useful reality check no matter where you happen to be on your home bartending journey. Cheers. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, there's two big things you can do for us here at Modern Bar Cart. One would be to tell your friends and family if you think they'd enjoy listening to us talk about cocktails. And if they don't download podcasts, they can always stream our episodes on their desktop directly from the show notes page at modernbarcart.com. The other thing you can do to help would be to head on over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and leave us a review. Five stars are great, but we're more interested in your feedback. And the beauty is, the more reviews we have, the easier it will be for other folks out there to learn about our show. We're trying to start a cocktail revolution here, and by spreading the word, you're helping us fight the good fight. You can always reach us by emailing podcast at modernbarcart.com if you're looking for cocktail or bartending advice, or if you're a pro who would like to pull up a mic and be interviewed for all to hear. Also, definitely follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Modern Bar Cart for cocktail porn, recipes, and entertaining tips. And keep an eye out for new product releases and special offers, which are happening all the time. We love our listeners, and we really enjoy giving you exclusive discounts and sneak peeks at our latest and greatest cocktail projects. This episode may be over, but for you, the mixological fun and adventures are just beginning. So remember, folks, drink responsibly and experiment boldly. This episode was made possible with editing and production assistance by Samantha Reed and some cocktail truth bombs by yours truly. This has been a Modern Bar Cart production, copyright 2018.